Yeah, I believe that the crisis in our, on our planet is a crisis in consciousness. I mean, when we all know who we are, that we're all connected, that we all come from love, when we all know who we are, we will stop killing each other, we'll stop polluting the planet, we'll stop torturing animals, we'll just stop the, the we'll just stop what we're doing. It's all connected. All it's of all that connected. Is- yeah. yeah. So that's my mission to, you know, elevate consciousness. There are people out there doing incredible things with pollution and all sorts of technology and all sorts of things. But um, my mission is to help people, yeah, feel more connected, elevate consciousness. So that's what we're doing with this book. And for anyone that's watching this, you know, really I wanted to put this show out there to show people that through tragedy or through the dramas that we live in our life or through a spiritual awakening, we can make a difference. All of us can make a difference. And all the authors in the book have gone through some extraordinary circumstances, some tragic, some not. But through these circumstances, they're now reaching out to do what they can to make a difference in the world through sharing their stories, through putting books out, through making programs. I know that uh, Yvonne up the top there. You got to accentuate the positive. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just fad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Welcome, welcome, welcome to a special episode of Accentuate the Positive Media with Karen Swain. And we're going to talk again about the book that's just come out called Awakened by Death, Stories of Transformation. I've gathered a few of the authors online. We've just had three people say they were sick this morning or too tired, couldn't make it. So there's only a few of us online to discuss the book and discuss the work that they're doing in the world. I really wanted you all to meet them and to see who they are and what sort of people they are and what work they're doing in the world. They're all incredible people. So welcome, guys. I'll introduce you all to our audience. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so what I, I'm looking at a screen. We've got Yvonne next to me with the hat on. She's the last chapter. Her chapter I called Heaven is Empty. I thought it was hilarious, which we'll go into. And then Garnet over there in the blue T-shirt, his chapter is Talking to the Dead. A lot of you know who these people are. We've got Scarlett Lewis underneath Garnet, whose chapter is called I Choose Love. And we'll go into all these chapters. Of course, you know, Cyrus, who was on the last show, who's our editor, and also his chapter is called Second Earth. And Francis, next to Cyrus, whose chapter is called A Lifetime of Evidence. And um, all of the chapters are amazing. We'll, um, we won't discuss all the chapters. We'll just discuss the people that are online today. So welcome, everyone. Thank welcome. You. Hello. Thank you so, <laughs> so I was just talking about Scarlet. Uh, let's talk about Scarlet because, you know, the proceeds of the book or my proceeds of the book are going towards charity. And one of the charities, well, I don't really call it charity or programs, is Scarlett's program, which is called I Choose Love, the Enrichment Program, which is putting in schools. So we're going to talk about your story, Scarlett. I've had Scarlett on the show before. And it's really pertinent because, you know, it's just happened again in the States. So how many years ago is it now? Is it like seven years ago? When it Five went? years and a couple Five. of months since the Sandy Hook Elementary School tragedy. Yeah. So Scarlett's obviously her little son was uh, murdered in that tragedy and uh, Scarlett since that time has uh, started a program to teach people how to overcome their stressful thoughts because do you want to tell your story? I could tell it, I know it inside out, (laughs) but do you want to just share a little bit of how you, you came to run this program? Sure. So, you know, my my six-year-old son, Jesse McCord-Lewis, was murdered alongside 19 of his classmates and six educators in one of the worst mass murders in U.S. history a little over five years ago. Uh, Following that, I wanted to be part of the solution. I, I wondered how in the world something like that can happen in civilized society. It just doesn't seem possible that a former student could be so angry and upset that he would come back and and literally blow away 
20 first graders in two first grade classrooms and six educators, uh, some of which he knew, by the way, because he was a former student. And uh, so I, I really kind of went on a, on a journey. I um, found a message that my six-year-old son had left on our kitchen chalkboard shortly before he died. He wrote three words, nurturing, healing, love. Those three words aren't, in, uh, aren't something that a six-year-old would normally say. They were phonetically spelled because he was in first grade and just learning to write. But um, I knew that if the shooter in our case had been able to give and receive, nurturing, healing, love, the tragedy would never have happened. And I thought, wow, I, I need to get these words into schools. We need to make this the basis for some of our education. And, um, and I started researching and I realized that there was uh, something called social and emotional learning that teaches kids how to get along, how to manage their emotions, how to be resilient, um, conflict resolution, and, uh, and it's been around for decades. And the, the research behind it shows that kids that have social emotional learning not only get better grades and test scores um, and higher graduation rates, but they have less stress and anxiety, less bullying, less mental health illness of all kinds, less violence, less substance abuse, less incarceration. I thought, my God, every child should have access to this. How come it's been around and they don't? And we know it's in the best interest of every child. And, uh, and so there were some issues. Funding was one issue. Uh, teacher training was another. And so I worked with educators in, in uh, the U.S. And we created a program that transcended all of those obstacles. And we made it free. We made no teacher training. And so it's, it's available now on our website. It's pre-K through 12th grade, but we're working, on, uh, we're working on infant and toddler. We even have something for unborn children. And uh, just so vitally important. And gosh, within a year and a half of its release, this is by word of mouth. We don't have PR marketing or anything like that. It's now in all 50 states, over 55 countries, growing every day. People are downloading it every day. And it's easy to teach, easy to learn. And this is really, this is really our future. And, uh, and the people that are teaching it are loving it. The kids love it. And uh, I'm just, I feel so blessed to be able to offer this. I know that this would have saved my son's life. And so I am very passionate about it. And, uh, and I'm blessed to be able to do this full time now. I've dedicated my life to making sure that every child has access to social and emotional learning. Um, that's the solution. And, uh, and so that's, uh, you know, really kind of my mission in life and, and what I feel kind of is, uh, Jesse's gift to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I believe that the crisis in our, on our planet is a crisis in consciousness. I mean, when we all know who we are, that we're all connected, that we all come from love, when we all know who we are, we will stop killing each other. We'll stop polluting the planet. We'll stop torturing animals. We'll just stop the, the we'll just stop what we're doing it's all connected all it's of all that connected. Is- yeah. yeah so that's my mission to you know elevate consciousness there are people out there doing incredible things with pollution and all sorts of technology and all sorts of things but um, my mission is to help people yeah feel more connected elevate consciousness so um so that's what we're doing with this book and for anyone that's watching this you know really i wanted to put this show out there to show people that through tragedy or through the dramas that we live in our life or through a spiritual awakening, we can make a difference. All of us can make a difference. And all the authors in the book have gone through some extraordinary circumstances, some tragic, some not. But through these circumstances, they're now reaching out to do what they can to make a difference in the world through sharing their stories through putting books out, through making programs. I know that uh, Yvonne up the top there has been travelling the world. She's, well, travelling the United States. So we might go to Yvonne now. Yvonne is, thanks, Scarlett. We'll come, we'll come back to you. Yeah. Yvonne is the last chapter. And, you know, I found Yvonne on YouTube. She was talking about time. And uh, she was just somebody who had put up a little video. She's just sitting in a garden somewhere, talking to her phone or a computer or something, talking about time. But what you were saying about time was so spot on. Time from the perspective of the other side. 
and how, you know, we talk about how there's no such thing as time, but when we're inside linear time, how the hell can we understand that all time is happening at once? And I thought, this woman knows what she's talking about. Let me contact her. And so I did, just in a YouTube comment, and she didn't get back to me for a year. (laughs) And anyway, I said, come on the show and share your NDE. She'd had a near-death experience. And she was so nervous. She had never really done anything like that. She was filled with knowledge and she knew she wanted to share it. But when she tried to share it, she was just vilified by people that said she was nuts, she was crazy. And so she felt really scared to share what she knew because it was so expansive. And I was just like, this woman, she just, she's got, she knows some stuff. Do you want to talk, Yvonne, about your journey? Okay, well, pardon the lag. I'm out in Northeast Texas in the country, and our internet is not very good, so bear with me on this. And, uh, well, I guess my story started, well, a long time ago, but the most recent story started in 2008, where I died. I was in a coma for almost a month, and I died a total of about 15 minutes in the process. Um, and I remember all of it. I still, to this day, remember all of it. I remember going to the other side clearer that I, than I remember my human lifetime. It's still as, as, as clear as it was when it happened. It's a funny thing that way. The other side doesn't ever fade here fades very, very easily, but the other side doesn't fade at all. And I was talking to a lot of people and they would ask me what I saw when I died. And, and I would tell them because I'm Aquarius and can't help but be honest, even though I would warn them because I'm in Bible Belt, America. And I said, you really don't want to know the answer to this. And they would say, oh, yes, we do. And I said, no, you don't. And they didn't. So after about a thousand times of people telling me I was demon possessed, I stopped telling people my story until Karen. And uh, I don't know why, but I just liked her smile, I think. So I called her up and I was very nervous because, well, I pretty much swore off of telling anybody else, talking to anybody else about it. And she just made me very comfortable. and. I don't know that the second I became comfortable, I started talking and I haven't shut up since then. Now I just <laughs> pick up, I pick up my phone whenever I feel like it. I don't, I can be in curlers and a bathrobe and I'll just have a thought from the other side or someone will ask me a question. It's, it's like if I ask myself a question or if somebody asks me a question, I know the answer immediately. Yeah. But I can't keep all of that in the human brain all the time. But it's like I have a Google brain. So yeah. it, I, all I've got to do is plug in the question and I get the answer. So it's been uh, an interesting time since then. A, a lot has happened and uh, met a lot of new friends. And there's a lot of people that really resonate with what I have to say. I'm, I'm pretty specific on who I'm reaching out for because I have a, a history of very, very um, trauma-filled history. So I reach out to people who have been severely traumatized and I tell them what I do, what I did, how it's better now, and try to help them kind of make their lives a little bit better. And we kind of walk through it together, I think. I don't know that I consider myself a great teacher. I think I died and came back uh, with an encyclopedia (laughs) that I can access at any time, but I'm not really good at using the encyclopedia yet. But we keep bumbling through. And I think uh, it's helping others. I know I love the people that I talk to. And uh, we learn from each other. Well, since you've started blabbing, I get a lot of people that can't connect to me and say how much they adore you, how much they love you, you know, they love your blabbing. So, you, you know, this is to anyone who feels afraid to share their journey, no matter what they've been through, you know, 
get out there and start blabbing. <laughs> Do what Yvonne does. Get your phone, start talking to your phone, upload it to YouTube, but share what you know because we all need to share our journeys. We, you know, we're in this together, all of us. And um, Yvonne's chapter is the most out there. You know, there's so much in this book. Because there's, um, there's stories like Scarlett who have overcome grief and then gone on to start a movement. And then there's stories like Yvonne who had an extensive NDE and talks about what she experienced on the other side. And then there's stories like um, Garnet who, and Cyrus who is an astral traveller who is over in different realms of the afterlife all the time. And uh, Francis, of course... We'll, we'll talk about you, you next. Francis is uh, the scribe and the author of the teen books, four books that are channeled material that came through after her mother died in 2010. And I just think these books are amazing. But what I love about these books is that they speak about our connective nature. So they, they talk so much about who we are as a team. You know, we seem to think of ourselves as uh, one person doing this, you know, doing what we do on earth. We're one person, one mind, one body. But the books really show us how we're not. We're connected to a team. We're operating as a collective. It really speaks about our collective nature. And I think that, you know, as far as humanity goes, we really need to understand that no matter what we think or what we do or what we feel, it is we are connected to every single other being on the planet it is making a difference just thinking you know our consciousness makes a difference anyway Frances wrote a chapter called a lifetime of evidence and she spoke about lots of personal experiences she'd had um you know with people transitioning do you want to talk about your chapter Frances of course um yes like like she's describing I I did refer in my chapter to the team books uh, they're called uh, the team a mother's wisdom from the other side um, which by far was the most profound experience I've ever had and could ever hope to have was this communication first with my mother and then with a spiritual team that she was working with to get this information through. Um, so I described that, but I also wanted to put in there my own personal experiences that weren't really connected with the books. So uh, um I was with my former husband four years ago when he passed away and my daughters were there and we were able to witness him. Uh, and this was a very uh, conservative thinking man. Uh, he normally would not have, have heard of what you call visitations uh, at death or anything of that nature. He was very simple in that way. He was open-minded, but he, he was just kind of skeptical. He'd listen, you know, ah, uh, you know, this kind of thing. Yeah. So um, it was really beautiful to be there when he said, uh, uh, when he spoke to his mother, mother, what are you doing here? And then he was talking to her and saying, well, I know mother, but I love these people. He was kind of arguing about her saying it was time to go. And he was saying, yes, but I want to stay with them. And then his friend appeared. Neville, you know, man, what are you doing here? <laughs> this continued, and someone else as well that we didn't know, but Neville was someone who had passed away um, in kidney dialysis along with Eddie uh, when he was there in kidney dialysis. He, his friend had died. So we were amazed that these people came through and uh, were able to, we knew right when he left, and he left with them. Um, and then I describe a miracle that occurred. Uh, I don't know if you want me to go into the detail of the miracle, but uh, I'll say it very quickly. Um, it was about a year and a half ago. And, I and I've had a history. That's why I call it a lifetime of evidence, because even as a small child, I had all kinds of experiences, which my mother helped me to navigate. Um, so I'd have many prophetic dreams and that kind of thing and visitation and so forth. But in this experience a year and a half ago, um, my former husband, Eddie, uh, said to me, I died in this dream. And he said he was there to take me. And I said, no, you know, I, I cannot go. I can't leave the grandchildren. And I really argued with him. 
And also in this dream, my sister called my name. And when I turned to her, she said, you paused and this has changed your destiny. So the whole dream was about pausing, changing your destiny, and then being told that I was going to pass away. And I know myself, I know my dreams, and I really knew it was quite literal. So I was very cautious and very a bit, uh, as you might, if you were being told that you were going to die soon. I was uh, had a lot to think about. So uh, one night, very late at night, I was driving home from a friend's and um, it, it down a dark road and it was just like my dream. And in this dream, I had died in a car accident. Right. And I passed the uh, metaphysical church that I used to belong to when I was in my childhood and in, 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 in my 20s. And I glanced over there and I had passed it many times. It's a very beautiful building in an affluent area. Uh, I say that only because there, there's no possibility that there were just strangers roaming around going onto the property. And all of a sudden, this, this, the porch of this church, and it's a, it's a residential-looking building that was used as a church. The porch of this place was lit up with people all over. And I thought, they all look elderly because their hair was all glowing. And I paused to look at this church. And then I went on. And in that instant, here comes this vehicle that would have smashed into the side of me if I had not indeed paused and looked at this. Well, a friend and I, uh, my friend and I went back to that place, knocked on the door, talked to the neighbors, talked to the owner of the house. There was never any party at 11 o'clock at this house. There was never anybody on that porch. There were never any lights on at 11 o'clock with people filling this porch. And so I knew that that pause was to look at these angelic beings that had appeared briefly on this porch and had indeed saved my life. And I had a list given to me of things I was to finish if I was not going to die in this dream. And uh, I knew a few of them, but I don't know all of them. So I'm really working hard <laughs> to do whatever <laughs> comes to me because I feel like there were certain things that I agreed to complete. But the main point of the books and through all these experiences I've had and all of you have had, I mean, what, we, what we're having right here is so obvious uh, that we are a collective, that we're all having different kinds of experiences, but they're all connected. They're all connected to the fact that we are using the body as a vehicle, not that we are the body, that we have a spiritual side, a, a soul. And in fact, the team books say that the body is inside the soul. The soul, uh, the body is contained in the soul. The soul is not trapped in the body mm. at all. The soul is very vast and, and goes and does many, many things. Mm. So, but the main point of the books, when my mother first communicated to me, she said, you are not alone. You are not even functioning as one person. Nobody is for you are a member of a team a spiritual team as close to you as breathing. And this is perfect evidence here of that very fact. Here we are, the team. Here we, here we are. are. <laughs> Part of the team, a little bit of the team. <laughs> we are creating a, a team for a certain uh, purpose to yeah. accomplish a certain mission. And we are representatives of our team. So when each person is speaking about their experience or about what they have to offer, behind them is the team. We are representatives of a team. Mm. I know. I love them. I love look, all the books. All, all, look, Yvonne is in the middle of writing her book. She's going to get her book out. Cyrus has, got, has a book out called Afterlife. Uh, what's your book called again? Investigations of the Afterlife. Hang on. Called understanding life after death. Oh, that's what it's called. That's right. <laughs> and of course, uh, Scarlett has documented her experience in her book uh, about Jess. Um, nurturing healing love. Nurturing healing love, which is the message that Jesse left on the um, chalkboard just before he went oh. to school that morning. I know, isn't it wild? And Garnet has four books out. And Garnet's story is amazing. His awakening was not through tra tragedy. You were lucky, Garnet. He was just walking down the street one day, corporate lawyer, 
he calls himself a straight lace, pin down, pin button down corporate lawyer walking down the street one day and he was stopped by a homeless man who asked him why he was here on earth and, and you know, shone this light into him from his eyes and Garnet says, didn't you, Garnet, that you were like a deer in the headlight? And uh, Albert turns out to be his spiritual guide that says, okay, buddy, you've got some work to do. <laughs> you you think that you're I don't know what you did as a corporate lawyer sort of contracts and because your whole life you're in your what mid-50s then Garnet about 56 yes yeah and that's yeah I did I I looked after public companies when they did mergers and acquisitions and and uh, stock financings that was sort of my main practice And, and it had nothing to do with homeless people I can assure you I know, but you know what I love about your story is it speaks to. I think that you were you were doing your mainstream job, and um, but the whole time you were doing it, there were questions inside you. There was this asking, you know, why am I here? What what is this? Surely this is like that movie, you know? Is this it? <laughs> is this all there is? Surely the so these questions were bubbling up inside you, and for anyone who is like that, who's doing a mainstream normal job and feels like they can make a difference and they have questions, you know, maybe there is a bigger purpose to your life and those questions is a um, is showing you that, you know, there is a bigger purpose to your life. It's not just about your acquisitions. <laughs> There's a bigger message that you have. So Garnet has written four books. Albert has has made Garnet very busy to write four books. And in the last book, which just came out called Dance of Eternal Rapture, he has a chapter in that book called Talking to the Dead. And I just, I had read it a year before, you know, at the end of last year, we had all the chapters in and then we had to get it up on Amazon this year. And I had read it a year before and I had Garnet back on the show to share his experiences in the book. And so I reread the book at the end of last year. And when I saw that chapter, I thought, oh, I'd just love to put this chapter in the book because it's such a unique perspective of uh, communication between deceased loved ones and people still in body. And that perspective is that Garnet in his astral body was on the spirit side and he was seeing a a, a little girl who had been tragically murdered communicating with her parents through a medium but Garnet was witnessing it from the spirit side and he speaks about that in that chapter and I just thought it's such a unique perspective and Ozark Mountain Press kindly let us put the chapter in the book so the chapter is in the book to help people and especially parents know that you know there is no such thing as loss that we never lose the ones that we love that they're always there to communicate with it do you want to talk about your chapter? Sure. It was a it, it was a basically a tale of tragedy that had a happy ending at the at the the very last. And what happened was I was on one of my astral trips with Albert, and I asked him. I said, you know, Albert, lots of people have sent me emails have 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 asked me if it's possible for ordinary people to communicate with loved ones or other people on the spirit side, just like I communicate with Albert. And he said, yeah, this, it is possible. And, and it's usually done through psychics or mediums, of, you know, respected ones that are reputable. And he said, I'll, I'll, I'll show you sort of how, how it all works. So we're on the spirit side. He takes me first to the Akashic records, which, as you know, have the records of every life that's ever been lived anywhere in the universe. And he shows me a scene um, w- that happened a- about a year before in, on Earth time. Um, where there's a, a mother with her seven-year-old daughter are sitting in a, on a, they're in a park on the Pacific Northwest of America. And uh, the mother's sitting on the bench watching her daughter who's running around with a butterfly net at the end of a stick trying to chase and catch butterflies. And, and she doesn't catch any, but she's having a great time doing this. And all of a sudden, uh, the mother's phone jingles and she looks down and there's a text message from one of her coworkers, an urgent message that needs immediate attention. So the mother is, uh, 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 Angela is looking at this uh, uh, text message and responding to it. A few minutes later, she looks up to find her, to look to see what her daughter is doing and her daughter is gone. So she quickly just jumps up and she runs around and searches the area. Panic is welding up in her uh, as, uh, as this happens. 
and she becomes more panicked as the time goes on. She ends up calling her husband who comes down to join the search. They end up calling the police. Uh, they didn't find Angela until two days, or uh, Emma rather, the daughter, until two days later, um, a couple of miles away from the scene. Uh, she had been sexually assaulted and strangled. Um, needless to say, the parents were just, just totally distraught, totally overcome with grief. They uh, continually blamed themselves, particularly the mother, for not having kept her eye on her daughter. Um, they, they were just very distraught. Uh, the mother actually contemplated suicide, um, but then her husband said, okay, on the advice of a friend, we need to go and see a medium to see if we can contact our daughter on the other side. So they did, um, and they contacted a medium called Alice. So now uh, we went out of the Akashic Records, uh, and Albert took me to another place where the soul of this little child and her grandparents were there, three of them, and, and I was watching from the, that perspective when uh, the medium uh, contacted uh, uh, the soul of the little girl, and the first thing that she said to the parents was, I see an image of a little girl with a blonde ponytail uh, hugging a pink teddy bear. Well, immediately they said, yeah, that's our daughter. And, and so uh, right after that, the, the little girl, the soul of the little girl jumped in and started communicating with her mom and dad. And she basically said, hi, uh, you know, I love you very much. Um, I'm, in, I'm alive and well, I'm being looked after. My grandparents, my other relatives were there to greet me when I crossed over, they're looking after me. And I'm in a wonderful place that's full of love and happiness, and there are no bad people over here. So she said, I'm doing very well. And, and her main message to them was, look at you guys have to quit grieving over, uh, over me. I'm not lost. I'm here. I'm on the other side. Um, you know, I can see you whenever I want to. Uh, so, and we will be reunited at one point, you know, when you cross over yourselves. So we're all going to get back together again. In the meantime, you need to quit the grieving. You need to get on with your lives. Because really, what happened here was that um, I came into this uh, this life. I incarnated through a contract that I was that I was gonna. This was gonna happen to me, and my role here was to provide a test for you, mom and dad, uh, a test to see how you would pull through having you know having experienced the loss of a child very tragically at a young age, and it was a test and a challenge, and I was there to facilitate that test. So that's why. I had a very short life and it was all pre-planned. I knew exactly when I came into this incarnation what was gonna happen and I would be exiting when I was seven years old. And so don't be distraught, don't feel badly because my whole life was taken away from me at an early age because it was never planned that I lived past the, the age of seven. I was there for your test. And so you have to recognize that and, and know that uh, you have to get on with your lives and pass the test because if you don't, you may have to face it again in another life. So. Uh, you know, please recognize that this is this is all pre-planned, and you guys have to pull through and not uh, sink into the depths of despair like you have been, and get on with your lives. So it was really at the end, it was very uh, heart heartwarming for me to see this little soul telling her parents that everything's okay, and you can you, you can just you know forget about what happened to me. Uh, she she actually said, I didn't feel any pain, I didn't suffer at the end because I left my body just before the end. So there was no suffering, and you can uh, rest assured that that I was quickly transitioned to the spirit side. My guides came to to walk me over, and I was met by a very nice welcoming party, and everything's just fine. So uh, it, it, she, it was really reassuring, and her parents really sort of left that scene. I'm watching this in the spirit side, left feeling very much comforted, very much reassured, and and ready to get on with the rest of their lives, which is really uh, what they were supposed to do. I know it's a, it's an amazing story. You know, one thing that you said to me when I first interviewed you a couple of years ago, Ghana, is I asked you what was one of the most um, astounding revelations that you had found out from Albert since you had started this dialogue and these adventures with him, and you said, "Well, something that startled me was that um, every death, every exit from this life." is planned from the spirit side that there are no accidents that the soul has planned it and it was interesting when Frances was saying that she had a dream and she saw a exit like she saw when she was going to exit and but she changed it uh, I'm going to throw this out to we've lost Scarlett she's jumped off but I'm going to throw this out to the group about um you know, when people exit this life, we have obviously a few different exit points, but the soul has obviously 
planned those exit points and at the time that our life is unfolding we make a decision to go or to stay does anyone want to answer any of those that question well, our soul is also ourselves and we have free will and in my opinion a free will um, uh, supersedes a, a contract because the contract is created by ourselves right so if we ourselves make a decision then that can supersede that potentially so if we ourselves decide to change from one path or onto a different path, then that could change how we may exit, how we may die. So that's my opinion. So with uh, Alice, was it Alice, the little girl's name? Garnet? Emma. Emma, Emma. Alice Emma, was yeah. the medium, right? Yeah, with Alice Emma, is the medium. Emma's a little girl, yeah. She wasn't going to change her exit because that was really a big purpose of her life, right, that she would exit as a child and that her, her parents would have that experience of having a child that died young and then they would go on to lead lives based on that experience. Was that right? Exactly, yeah. She had, that was one of her exit points and, and she stuck with that exit point. She, didn't, she could have passed on it but decided to take it because that was right. part of her contract with her parents before she incarnated. So this was all sort of planned out, and so she didn't want to change that. I mean, had she had she not chosen that exit point, then her parents would not have experienced the tragedy of losing a child so at such a young age. That was something that they wanted as souls to meet and to face and to try to overcome. Exactly, exactly. Yvonne, do you have anything to add to that? Google over there. <laughs> oh, I could say so much. Um... Well, as you know, my gig is a uh, big picture from the outside, way, way, way out in. So from my perspective, looking at it from the outside in, there are infinite options and possibilities. So there were, there are, because everything is in the now, because there's no such thing as time space, that there were options where the little girl died, where she didn't die, where she didn't exist at all. There are many options in many, all of our existences and whether or not what, what part of it we focus on from this perspective as a human is what we report on. But in my perspective, there are many options everyone has and is experiencing or some people say it's uh, possibilities. I prefer, from my perspective, they're all real. It's just a matter of which one you're focusing on in the moment. And that's yeah. my out there side. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, we could, we could take this conversation so that it's out there because I know that in your last book, Garnet, you know, you talk about parallel, parallel earths where... Um, there are lives being lived in a physical environment just like this physical environment, not an astral environment but a physical or a denser environment where different, like you say, Yvonne, different options have been taken. So when a decision is made, it's like that movie Sliding Doors. Has anyone ever seen that movie where you make a decision like she misses the train and that tiny little option makes a huge difference in her life in the movie Sliding Doors. And and so making a decision can change the trajectory of our life. And, yeah, so someone could be alive in this world and dead in another or dead in that world and alive in it. You know, there, it just gets a bit crazy, doesn't it? Um, I think it kind of is beyond the human, the puny human mind, as Albert would call our minds. <laughs> <laughs> can I say something about that, Karen? Yes, please. Um, you know, in book four, of the, of the team series it's called the the fourth book is called beyond the team because it really encourages us not to get a little body of truth and say that's it i'm sticking with this you know mm -hmm. to go beyond it and it points out in the chapter called strands of possibilities that um there are indeed radiating out out from every conceivable moment uh every possible outcome and that we do different aspects of our being do link up with these other outcomes. Um, it, it really goes into depth about how our soul has many aspects and a particular aspect joins this body to get something accomplished. But we have these other aspects. It's like we have multiple parts of our brain that are doing multiple things at any given time that 
that the soul has these aspects doing other things. So indeed we can join our consciousness. We can find comfort in knowing that we are on assignment with this aspect here, but that other parts of us are experiencing a totally different outcome, including reunification with, with those that we think of as lost, Mm -hmm. or in my case, changing that, changing my, my course, uh, my aspect or another aspect of me was able to change that course uh, in such a vivid way. And once I made that decision, that those angelic apparitions showed up on that porch to make me do exactly what you're talking about with the sliding doors, mm-hmm. to pause, something didn't happen, which changed my destiny. Mm-hmm. Had that not light not a, the, those beings not appeared on that porch, I would never have slowed down and glanced over. I mean, I literally almost came to a stop just to look, and then continued. I never would have done that. So it was all connected to, like Cyrus was saying, free will, free mm-hmm. choice, mm-hmm. linking up to a different possibility, mm-hmm. a different strand. I'm I'm going to have to uh, exit soon. Speaking okay. of exit points. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so if I disappear, uh, you know, that's the reason I have to. I know to... we've lost Scarlett already. I wanted to talk to her some more. But yeah. I, look, I know I can get really out there and esoteric. And, you know, how do we bring that understanding into any sort of meaning inside our physical lives? And I think that, you know, the knowing that that this life is not just it, that, you know, that whoever we've lost is is living either a physical life, an astral life, or a spiritual life, or as a spirit, is is continuing in their multidimensional self. And there might be an aspect of us, well, there's definitely an aspect of us that is still with them in some way, in some realm, is very comforting. And that this life, in this moment, you know, the decision has been made that that is what's happened. And to get on with what we're doing here in this life and and why that decision was made like for instance my life my mum dies when I'm 16 and I watch her suffer and struggle to stay alive because I watch her grapple with guilt she grappled with guilt before she got sick that's why she got sick but grapple with guilt that she was going to die and leave three children small children to fend for themselves and um you know her death was I always say that her death was such a blessing for me because it woke me up. It made me start asking questions that a 16-year-old would not normally ask because normally I was asking about which boy liked me, what pair of shoes I was going to buy, um, you know, am I good enough, am I good enough, am I pretty enough, am I smart enough, all those things that we ask ourselves endlessly over time and yet those questions changed to why did she get sick, where did she go when she died, and if we go somewhere, where do we come from? You know, I was asking different questions and those questions led me down that path down the rabbit hole and it it put me on my spiritual path to exactly what I'm doing now so I always say that her death although tragic was one of the biggest gifts that ever happened to me because it put me on my path and led me to an understanding and then I can help others and then I can help others help others so it's been this constant unfolding and I think that no matter where she is, I dreamt about her many times. And in fact, she has reincarnated and she's now like uh, an adult again in this life. And the reason I know that was when she was a baby, my guides told me that this was mum. And so watching her live her second life in my lifetime is has been fascinating. It's just fascinating to see this new choices that she's making as, as she's come back as a, as a woman. And she's continuing on some desires that she didn't fulfill in that life. She's continuing them on in this. So that it's fascinating. It's also fascinating. Cyrus, we haven't got to you. Do you want to add, you know, what? Because Cyrus, like me, lost his mum, but he has a relationship with her on the astral plane, like like Garnet, has full memory and can go there anytime at will. Unlike you, Garnet, Cyrus has a little bit more control over whether he can go or not. <laughs> Garnet says, it's up to Albert. He takes me. It's, he's, he's in control. But with Cyrus, Cyrus tends to be. Do you want to talk about that, Cyrus? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's uh, first I should give an addendum, kind of like Yvonne did as well, because also I'm traveling. And 
I tend to travel and work, and I don't know if my internet is perfect right now. I'm in uh, the island of Borneo in Malaysia. So it, it seems okay at the moment, so I'll just go with that. So yes, my chapter is called The Second Earth, and uh, to get started, I guess I should say that The Second Earth is the title because it is a somewhat accurate description of a place I go to when I do my astral projection experiences because I come to find it is like a replica in many senses of the earth, the physical plane that we're in right now. And in many ways, it is replicated on that side. And so many people who go out of body, they find themselves in this environment. And the reason that we know it is part of the afterlife is because when you are in that environment, you can meet and speak to people who have crossed over and you can learn about their stories. And that is something that I have been doing off and on since about 2014. 2014 is when I began having a lot of out-of-body experiences, which um, isn't to say that this began my interest in life after death. In fact, I have been studying life after death for about maybe 16 years, which may come as a surprise because I know I look about 10 years old. Uh, but I assure you that there is a three in front of my age. It might be my elf genes. I don't know. But uh, the, um, the, uh, the chapter in the book, really, a lot of it goes into the experiences I've had since my mom passed away about, uh, gosh, about a year and a half, I guess. This was uh, no, a little, I'm sorry, almost two years ago now. It was in the summer of 2016. And uh, since my mom passed away, also my brother has passed away. And so a lot of the work that I've done in the, in the field of life after death, it really came to a head the last couple of years because I've had to wrestle with, you know, close members of my family, you know, quite suddenly passing away. But because I had already established the ability to go out of my body, uh, dependent, as you mentioned, Karen, on my own choice to do so so it's not a guide who comes and takes me but i set the intention and then i can have that experience i've been able to meet with my mother and then she has also been able to come and meet me halfway and i can have experiences with her this way uh, quite physical experiences where she can come and sit on the bed with me and talk to me and she's done this a number of times i think it's difficult though it requires a lot of energy for them to do this but they do take time to do it, and you'd be surprised like how physical and real it is because when you are switched to that frequency and you are in your astral body, very often there is no difference in some ways to how we are now. So many people don't even realize it when they are in their astral body. Very often when we have an after-death contact with somebody who comes to visit us, we don't even realize that we are out of our bodies when they come into the room with us because it feels no different than how it may feel right now. So I guess to go back to the chapter, I talk about my experiences with my mother. I talk about some of the initial experiences after she crossed over. And I talk about the experiences I've had on this kind of astral second earth where I've come to find that there are really replica cities and landmarks of every place that we go to here. And really, I think both of these worlds are kind of joined in unison. So like what happens here tends to affect that world. And in some ways, what happens in that world affects this world. And it's not to say, by the way, that this is the only realm of the afterlife. The astral is incomprehensibly vast. But this is kind of a human niche that people gravitate toward. And uh, on that side, I've been to astral versions of cities like London and Los Angeles and uh, let's see, uh, Japan. And, you know, I have uh, very distinctive memories of those places. And so there's, I mean, there's different types of astral experiences. There's times when I have full awareness and control and I can completely direct my experience. And then there's other experiences where all I have is a memory. And then I can just take that memory back and then I can kind of pull that apart and make certain guesses about what my whole experience may have, may have been like, because really I am leading kind of like a parallel life on that side. And so sometimes I, I come into that side and I have full awareness. It's like my astral life and my earth life that they, they come, come in 
join together and become one, and then I can have full conscious perception. But some other times, it's just like I just have a lingering memory. Now, I don't want to stay on the soapbox forever. I'll just um, say a couple more things about the, about the chapter. I do talk about an experience where I met with somebody on that side who I was able to verify the existence of by checking his uh, Facebook memorial page. And I think that's a very important point to talk about the um, objectivity of that side, how you know that you are on the astral side, you're not having some kind of crazy hallucination or some kind of dream because you can be given information that you can take back with you. And in this case, I will oftentimes interview and talk to people who have who live on that side and learn about their story. And I did meet somebody who had passed away. Uh, recently, it was a young man, and I learned about him, and I was able to look him up and verify the details he gave me. I found his Facebook memorial page, and I talk more, more in detail about that in the chapter as well. And so really, yeah, the, so the, so the um, chapter is about those experiences as well as some nitty-gritty stuff about my own life and the challenges that I've faced with, you know, with my family and my mom, the kind of you know, sad circumstances that led to her death, as well as um, how my connection to the other side has really helped out in enormous ways my own path and how I've been able to handle these tragedies. And that's kind of um, a, a hopefully a little summary of, of what, what my chapter in the book is like, and I hope you guys uh, check it out. I know when you realize that there is no such thing as death, I think the grieving process is a lot less, isn't it? You know, I'd like to ask Garnet, have you had any experiences with Second Earth like Cyrus talks about with Albert and your astral body? Second Earth? Well, I did get a chance to visit Earth in a parallel universe. Is that, is that what you mean? I don't know. <laughs> it's astral Earth. It's like a replica of, I don't think it is the same. No. Oh, okay. You mean the second Earth on the astral plane? Yeah. 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 No, I, I haven't. Uh, well, there's a lot of aspects about the, the part of the spirit side that I saw that, that are a lot like Earth, like with the, the metals and the trees and the flowers and everything else. But I didn't see it like a duplicate of London or any of the cities on Earth. What I saw was a white city called Aglaia. And that doesn't mean that, that those other cities don't exist. I just didn't see them. Right. Right. Something to ask Albert next time. Can you take me there? <laughs> when he, I'll remember he, that. When he shows up. Because I know that since you've been writing the books, you know, and you started putting them out, people have been asking you questions which you put to Albert and then he gives you like the the chapter that we put in the book called Talking to the Dead came about, as you say, because people were asking you questions about it. So it's um, it's great to have that interaction. Uh, we've lost a couple of people. We had three people right before we started couldn't show up because of exhaustion and, and illness. And so, but anyway, they're not discussing their chapters. So you'll just have to read the book to find their chapters. This is the um, the working title. The uh, we, I actually changed the title. I just made it a little prettier. Uh, that was the proof that I got. And then when it came, I thought, no, I want it to look prettier than that, so I changed the title. So I'm waiting on the books to arrive from America because when you buy them on Amazon, they've got to come from America. So hopefully they'll come next week and I'll have a stack of books I can give out to people. The sort of book that you can give out to people who are asking a lot of questions. Why, why, why? Because death sparks a lot of questions, doesn't it? I think that death is an awakening process. Whether you go through your own death or the death of a loved one, you start asking questions and Elisa who couldn't make it today you know her son committed suicide and she started asking questions because she was brought up by militant atheists she says who didn't believe in anything paranormal or life after death or God or anything and she's you know she when you ask those questions you summon you summon the answers like even you Garnet you were asking questions well before Albert turned up that's right, I was, and then um, all my questions were answered by Albert. He just chose the perfect time and place to show up in my life. Yeah. What about you, Yvonne? You must have been asking questions before you got sick and died. Oh, my. I was raised hardcore, hell and brimstone, uh, Church of Christ. Uh, my dad's a preacher, so I was raised... Um, believing really serious Christian stuff. And I would say about the age of 
23, I had, because I used to talk to God all the time. I used to talk to God, and, I mean, just chit-chat nonstop. And I finally talked to God in about 23, and I said, uh, look, God, no offense, but I, you know how lucky you have to be to be born in the right country, the right religion, not only that, but the daughter of the right preacher of the right religion in the right country in this whole world. And I said, God, and I talk like this too. I said, God, I just don't feel that lucky. So what I'm going to do, because I trust you, because it says, knock and it should be opened unto you. Seek and you shall find. I said, I'm going to throw out everything I've been taught. I'm going to throw it all. I'm going to clean it all out. And I want, and I absolutely knew, I knew that I would be right back in the Church of Christ building. And I threw it all out. And uh, I said, uh, just show me the way home. Just show me the way home. And that was way before I died. And it was like magic. It was, I would talk to people when I was pumping gas and they would share something about their religious faith. Faith I had never heard of before. Somebody else I'd talked to in the enemy books and all of the sense to all of these different religious uh, belief systems that were all phenomenal. And my head was just spinning, spinning, spinning. And I went, wait a minute, wait a minute, it's too much, too much. So I finally went, wait. So I started looking at all of them. And what I found was they all had one thing in, co in common and that was love. So I became a lovist. And I didn't know what that was, but people said, what do you believe? And I said, I believe in love. And about the time I started telling people that, and they started laughing at me and said, well, that's what I'm going to believe. And I don't care what you say. And about, I, about the time I really got started making fun of by that, uh, uh, Marianne Williamson came out on Oprah with a return to love. And I listened to her on Oprah and I went, yes, I am that. I am her. I am what she is. And that was, I guess, the beginning of the questioning. I also, shortly after, read the Seth books. And even though I didn't understand half of them, I just knew that that was right, that what he was saying was right. And I guess it just kept on going. And then I went off track, way far off track. And the only way to get me back on was to die. <laughs> and then I died and got back on track again. <laughs> Oh, well, that's such a bit. Look, everyone keeps jumping off. We keep losing people. So there's only three of us left online. But that's such a beautiful way to end it because it's all about love. Everything that we're talking about is about love. The questions really lead you down one path, and that is love, really. I mean, whether you're talking about parallel universes, parallel um, earths or universes or cosmoses or um, the soul inside the body, the body inside the soul, you know, we can just get so out there with all this. And I have to say, I love it. I love her, or, or getting really out there with these conversations. But it all comes back down to one thing, and that is love. And many of the chapters speak about that, especially the NDEs. They speak about, you know, Nancy's chapter is about how love is the fabric. It's like the walls are made of love. It's like the, everything, it's just the fabric of life. It's the fabric of life in every experience, whether it is physical, astral, spiritual, it's the fabric of life. And um, so love is it. Right, Cyrus? <laughs> Hi there. Sure, yeah. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah, 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 sure. So um, I was going to say thank you all, but you know, there's only th three of us left. But thanks, everyone, who did join, and thanks for people that have been watching this. And if you have any questions, let me know. Go to the Awakening Empowerment Network on uh Facebook, that's a group there that's where you can share your stories. And also Cyrus has a group called Afterlife Topics, very active Facebook group. He's got about 6,000 people in there, all asking questions, all giving their opinions. It's very active. If you want to, you love it, Yvonne, if you go in there. You, there's just great questions. Um, 
the Awakening Empowerment Network was there's only me posting in there at the moment. <laughs> there's only a couple of hundred, but Cyrus's group is very active, and lots of people ask amazing questions, and they give amazing. So it's a beautiful way to interact with each other about all this stuff. And thanks everyone for joining. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us for another show, Accentuating Positive. That was a lot of fun. We lost we lost people along the way. People didn't turn up. But uh, I'll try and get the other authors on the show to talk about their chapters. I know uh, Ainsley and Krista, I'll get them on together. They uh, have chapters in the book. Uh, both of them had NDEs and, um, you know, it's amazing because Ainsley forgot his NDE for about 13 years but he saw a woman on the other side who ended up being someone in the physical who we met years later. They call each other their soulmates or twin flames or whatever. Anyway, it's a bit of a love story. So we'll get them on the show as well. You know, everyone <laughs> kept jumping off the call and it was only even Yvonne, her internet just couldn't cope and so she jumped off the call and uh, it was just Cyrus and I left on the call. I stopped the recording and the two of us have just been chatting for the past hour about all sorts of things. Talk, and, and I didn't have the recording on and some of the things we talked about, some of the topics we talked about were so amazing. We talked about the critical mind, judgment versus intuition. Is that criticism that you're feeling, your guidance system showing you that this is not for you or is it just your critical mind? You know, we were nutting out all these things so we can go into those conversations a bit later. But he was talking to me about uh, Jürgen Zieber and his book, uh, Multidimensional Man and... Um, talking about different realms of the astral there are some really dark realms of the astral and he was saying that on the astral side your thoughts become manifest quicker and so it affects your physical form you have an astral physical form or an astral body which is a replica of your physical body it's a it it feels like a physical body you can touch you've you've got denseness but your thoughts manifest faster so your ugly thoughts show up in your body as ugliness and he was saying that Jürgen Zieber talked about that in his book as well multidimensional man going to realms of the astral where people were really engaging in ugly critical self-critical thoughts and how they looked really monstrous. They looked really ugly because of the thoughts. And then Jürgen was giving these people some kindness and some love and their astral form was literally changing and they looked less ugly and less sort of monstrous, like skinny and sort of decrepit and they started to love themselves a bit more. But it's so interesting because that happens in physical. It's just that it doesn't happen as fast. So a lot of people that have had very critical or ugly thoughts you'll find that are not very pretty in their old age because their thoughts have manifested over time. And some people can be, like I had a, my dad's cousin, she, I was so close to her, she died a few years ago at 94, just before her 95th birthday, two weeks. And she was the wrinkliest person I've ever met in my life, but she was so beautiful she had plenty of critical thoughts, let me tell you, but, you know, for the most part she loved people and she loved her life and it showed in her face. She was so beautiful in that people would stop her in the street and say, oh, my God, you're so beautiful. And I could tell you that there wasn't a part on her body that didn't have wrinkles. You know, her fingernails had wrinkles. She was the wrinkliest person because she was thin and yet she was so beautiful. So your thoughts do show in your physical form and when you clean up your thoughts, you can literally shift how you look. You can look younger. You can look prettier. You can look fresher. You can look kinder. Your thoughts create your reality and your reality is your physical form as much as the rest of your life. So anyway, Cyrus and I were having some wonderful discussions all about that. We were He was telling me of his experiences and I was telling him mine and we have a lovely time, Cyrus and I. So um Anyway, if you've got any questions, you know, contact us on Facebook. He's got his Afterlife Topics group and I've got the Awaken, uh, Awakening Empowerment Network group or I've got the Inner Sanctum group where we, you know, get online um, and talk to people. I invite you to come online. Francis is actually next in the Inner Sanctum in a couple of days. Probably by the time you see this, it will have come and gone. And we're going to be talking about her fourth book, which she spoke about today, Beyond the Team. So we're going to be asking her questions about that and it's going to be wonderful. So buy the book <laughs> and help me support Scarlet and the Enrichment Program as well as some other charities. Habitat is another one. But um, 
again, working title, not the new title, because uh, my proceeds are going towards uh, the enrichment program and the Habitat for Humanity because I, I love my home. You can see I do everything from my home and I feel like we all need a home. Habitat provides homes for families around the world who can't afford their own home or who live in shanty towns and they build houses for them. I love that. And, uh, yeah, tell your friends. Tell your friends and family about the book. This book answers a lot of questions. And if it's doing its job, it's going to spark many more questions in you. So your questions summon they summon the answers and they summon the experiences. So keep asking your questions. And uh, I'll see you next time on the show. Love you all. Bye for now. We are the love, we are the love we give. Thanks so much for joining us for another enlightened conversation on Accentuate the Positive. If you would like spiritual guidance from my guides, Blissful Beings, go to karenswain.com for a reading or to listen to more enlightened thought leaders share their wisdom, go to the listen page on karenswain.com and choose who you want to listen to. All the podcasts are also available on iTunes. Remember to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, you name it, we're there. Until next time, bye for now. If you feel like that's what you want to do.